0: Hello and welcome to NTD News Today. Kevin Hogan here. Let's take a look at our top stories. President Biden's nominees for the Federal Reserve backing the fight against inflation. Why are some lawmakers concerned about one of Biden's picks and what does she have to say? A congressional hearing is looking into controversial 5G service near U.S. airports. That's amid concerns that 5G signals pose a threat to aviation safety. Europe could be entering into a COVID-19 ceasefire This, while Sweden, Norway, and Denmark ease restrictions and return to some form of normalcy. The Beijing Winter Olympics officially begin. We hear from some Team USA Olympic officials ahead of the opening ceremony amid activists' calls for a boycott. (music) President Biden's nominees for the Federal Reserve all agree that the Fed needs to tackle inflation. NTD's Jessica Beatty has more on their nomination hearing and why some lawmakers are concerned about Biden's pick for top banking regulator.
1: President Biden's Federal Reserve nominees told the Senate Banking Committee Thursday that fighting inflation should be the Fed's top priority. Biden picked Lisa Cook and Philip Jefferson to fill open seats on the Fed's Board of Governors.
2: Everyday Americans are suffering from high inflation. Uh, it must... Uh to bring uh, inflation uh, back in line with uh, its
1: targets Inflation is running two and a half times higher than the Fed's stated target. Some blame the Fed's easy money policies, which the Fed is preparing to gradually move away from. Nominee Lisa Cook said she agrees with the Fed's path right now, but for any future decisions, she would look to the data. Also at the hearing was Sarah Bloom Raskin, Biden nominated her to be the Fed's top banking cop. Republican Senators Pat Toomey and John Kennedy questioned her about past statements against the fossil fuel industry. They were concerned she might abuse her role and direct money away from fossil fuels. Raskin said she would remain apolitical. Uh, banks choose their borrowers. The Fed
3: is not. It is inappropriate for the Fed to choose winners and losers and to do so Is
4: not the proper institutional role of the Fed. That is, as I said,
1: a cardinal principle of Fed's The Fed's two mandates are to promote full employment and stable prices. Republican John Kennedy gave the nominee some advice.
5: Number one, please don't change the mission of the Federal Reserve. Please don't
1: let it be politicized. Uh, And number two, don't get caught up in the group think over there. The panel set to vote on all five of Biden's Fed nominees on February 15th. That includes the renomination of Fed Chair Jerome Powell and the elevation of Governor Lael Brainard to the vice chair spot. The full Senate will vote on them after that. Jessica Beatty, NTD News.
0: Congress is addressing the controversies around 5G service near U.S. airports. Testimony was heard Thursday from the head of the Federal Aviation Administration, a group of airlines and telecommunications companies. Here's more
6: a House committee is looking into the controversy surrounding 5G service near airports. Since Verizon and AT&T turned on the network last month, dozens of flights have been canceled amid concerns that 5G signals would interfere with key instruments on
7: planes, such as altimeters. Despite seven years of deliberation, government agencies were unable to reach a consensus on whether 5G interference was safe for the aviation industry in time for the 5G rollout last month.
6: The Federal Aviation Administration has cleared 90% of aircraft to land near 5G towers during low visibility. Those approvals, known as Alternative Methods of Compliance, or AMOC, are made each month, plane by plane. But still, cancellations occur for fleets operated by regional carriers, thanks to 5G-related restrictions.
3: This patchwork of broad restrictions and case-by-case approvals has been disastrous. Airlines are uncertain when and what clearances they might get for which aircraft, if any. The impact on regional airlines has been particularly pronounced. Not one regional aircraft AMOC had been issued when 5G went live.
6: Chairman of the House Transportation Committee, Peter DeFazio, blamed the Federal Communications Commission for approving 5G. He said the aviation community raised concerns about possible interference as early as in 2018, but were ignored by the FCC.
7: There have to be some restrictions and agreements because we cannot have conflicting industries. Having a dropped call is way less serious than having a dropped airplane out of the sky.
6: FAA Administrator Stephen Dixon said a permanent fix for the problem is at least one year away, adding that telecom companies are helping to improve the situation. And they're
8: working with us, uh, as I speak, actually, uh, on a flight test program that will contribute meaningfully to establishing uh, the new standards Uh, for uh, radio altimeters, and also to to refine what we're doing um, right now. So, I'm encouraged by the progress. Um, You know, we're certainly in a much better place
6: today than we were two to three weeks ago. The FCC claimed that 40 other countries have launched 5G services without any reports of radio interference to aircraft, while aviation groups counter that most of those countries have lower 5G signal power than the U.S. or have imposed other restrictions to prevent interference.
0: Two people have died due to listeria outbreak. It's been linked to Dole packaged salads. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says the outbreak has also sickened 17 people, 13 of whom had to be hospitalized. The outbreak has affected at least 13 states. The recall began at the end of December. It affects products with best-if-used-by dates from November 30, 2021 through January 9, 2022. While the recalled products are all produced by Dole, they were sold under several different brands. The CDC says you should throw away or return the products and also clean out refrigerators or other surfaces that came into contact with the products. The agency is also investigating a separate Listeria outbreak tied to fresh express packaged salads. The World Health Organization's Europe director said the continent is going to enter a ceasefire in the pandemic. And while the director says they have a much higher level of population defense against the virus, he says governments should still promote social distancing and hand sanitizing to keep the virus at bay. The firm Dr. I Hans Kluge, the WHO Europe director, told reporters in Geneva that this period of higher protection should be seen as a ceasefire that could bring them enduring peace. Kluge pointed to three advantages the region has. First, a large capital of vaccine-derived and natural immunity by Omicron. Second,
8: a favorable seasonality pause as we move out of the winter.
0: And third, a lower severity of the Omicron variant, now well established. He said as Europe is making it through the winter and as Omicron is less severe, they could be in for a long period of tranquility in the fight against the virus. The government in Sweden announced it's going to end all its COVID-19 restrictions in the coming week. Prime Minister Magdalena Andersen said on Wednesday. It is time to open up Sweden again. While the pandemic is not over, it has entered an entirely new phase. She said the restrictions will be dropped on February 9th and people working remotely should plan to return to the workplace gradually. And Norway is ending most of its lockdown measures immediately. Though COVID cases there are rising, they're unlikely to put health services in jeopardy, according to the prime minister. And the prime minister of Finland said the country will end all of its COVID mitigation measures beginning next month. Prime Minister Sanna Martin said on Monday her social democratic-led government is going to negotiate with other parts of parliament on the exact time. And then on Monday, Finland will open its borders with the Schengen area, which is 26 countries in Europe that have done away with their internal borders. Denmark is the first country in the European Union to open up completely. That's despite a record number of virus cases. The Danes can now access restaurants, museums, nightclubs and cafes, and masking will not be mandatory. South Africa's first mRNA COVID vaccine uses data from Moderna. Afrogen Biologics used Moderna's publicly available vaccine sequence to make its own version, and it could be tested in humans before the end of this year.
2: The company called Afrogen says it's used Moderna data to design, develop, and produce the first mRNA-type vaccine for COVID-19 on the African continent. It would mean a cheaper, patent-free version of the shot. The WHO hired the company last year, one of several chosen in a pilot program to help low- and middle-income countries crack the code of COVID vaccines. UN health official Charles Gore said Afrogen should help change perceptions of African nations' capabilities.
8: If this project shows that Africa can take cutting-edge technology and produce cutting-edge products with it, that will banish this idea. Africa can't
2: do it. Afrogin used the publicly available sequence of Moderna's mRNA vaccine. However, the company's managing director, Petro Terblanche, made it clear it's a uniquely designed vaccine. She said, quote, We haven't copied Moderna. We've developed our own processes because Moderna didn't give us any technology. The WHO launched the project after Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna declined their request to share tech and expertise. However, Moderna pledged not to enforce patents during the pandemic. Moderna had no immediate comment on Afrogen's Thursday announcement. The WHO hopes its hub in Cape Town will help overcome vaccine inequalities between rich and poor countries. Some 99 percent of Africa's vaccines against all diseases are imported, and the negligible remainder is manufactured locally. Afrogen announced its vaccine could be tested on humans before the end of the year.
0: A Food and Drug Administration document about drug maker Moderna has disappeared from the agency's website. It had detailed why the FDA approved Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine. The document referenced research findings showing the rates of post-vaccination heart inflammation were higher than any U.S. agency had found before. The Epic Times reports that after it reviewed the document and sent questions about it to the agency, it was removed from the agency's website. The agency later told the Epic Times That staff are aware of the issue and hope to have the document reposted as soon as possible. The FDA estimated that among males age 18 to 25, the the rate of heart inflammation following Moderna's shot was nearly 150 per million vaccinated. Researchers in the UK also found that men and women under 40 were more likely to suffer from heart inflammation after Moderna's second shot than from COVID-19 itself. A number of students on the West Coast have refused to wear masks. Some say they are following the example of California's governor after his maskless photo was published from the NFC Championship game. Entity's David Lamb has the details.
4: Some students in California have had enough of wearing masks.
1: My entire class has been forced to sit outside because I am refusing to wear a mask.
4: This student said on Tuesday that she just wants to learn at school with the other students. But this is what happens when you stand up for your rights. This comes after government officials were seen in controversial photos at the NFC Championship game.
2: I went to school knowing that I would not put on a mask after recent events that happened where political figures were seen indoors not wearing masks, taking pictures the same political figures that mandate that other people wear masks.
4: According to parent-based organization Let Them Breathe, the honor student says he will not return to his school until things change. NBC San Diego reported that at least three students have been sent home. They say they were influenced by the governor. Students at a school district in Central California's Oakdale also refused to wear masks. They were sent to the gym. On Sunday, Governor Gavin Newsom posed maskless with former basketball player Magic Johnson. San Francisco Mayor London Breed and Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti were also present. Newsom responded saying he had his mask on the rest of the time except for a drink of water. Currently, the state's indoor public mask mandate is set to expire on February 15th. David Lamb, Entity News, California.
0: An update on prevention and treatment for COVID, CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky says boosted Americans are 97 times less likely to die of the virus than the unvaccinated. And a study from Israel shows what it calls remarkable data that more vitamin D can help COVID patients keep from becoming seriously ill or dying. I wanted to learn more about where the pandemic may be headed, so I spoke with COVID expert Dr. Selena Nadelman. She brings us up to speed on young children getting the vaccine and the recent emergence of the Omicron subvariant.
3: Now we're seeing a second variant of the Omicron. It's called B2, and it seems to be at least one to two times more contagious than the original Omicron variant. Um, That means that people are catching it faster and it's circulating more. Uh, Some people think that in in the scientific community, that this may um, help uh, increase, I'd say, worldwide exposure, either through vaccines or through exposure of Omicron since it's much more contagious. And that way it will no longer be as novel as it was in the very beginning.
0: So let's talk about the future of the virus. I mean, there is some scientist that is saying that COVID will always be an epidemic virus. Now. Do you think it will ever be endemic? Do you think it will become something more like the seasonal flu?
3: Possibly. I think that's the direction it's going in. I mean, that's really what, you know, the goal of a virus is to hang around. If it kills off its host too quickly, like I was saying before, let's say it were like Ebola, you know, Ebola, yes, it's extremely contagious and highly fatal, but it kills its host before it can actually go on to the next, you know, uh, country or village or whatever, so yes, colds are very contagious, uh, it, it goes around, but we don't die from them. So hopefully that's what's, that's the direction of COVID.
0: Let's talk about vaccines and children under five. Officials in Philadelphia are preparing to give these vaccines to these young children if the FDA approves it for this age group. You now, what are the pros and cons of vaccinating children that young?
3: What we see currently is um, there aren't that many cases of uh, COVID that are extremely harmful to children. But we don't know, we don't have enough scientific data except for for the year. And we see that with the Delta and the Omicron, more and more children are being hospitalized. And those children are the ones that aren't vaccinated. So yes, vaccines do uh, have a certain amount of protection. We do know that children do not usually get such bad um, disease, but if we're vaccinating or exposing people uh, to COVID, um, It'd be much uh, safer to vaccinate and so that people, everybody gets antibodies and so that eventually what will happen is the virus will not be able to circulate as much and mutate as much.
0: Dr. Nadelman says she expects us to see less mask mandates in the near future and she hopes as we approach warmer weather and as people move outdoors that we'll be heading into a more normal state like how life was before the pandemic. While some are worried about violent crime going up in New York City, there seems to be a new phenomenon emerging, subway fires. The city's subway system has seen multiple fires over the past few days, and many of them are believed to be lit on purpose. NTD's Arian Pastar spoke with a passenger who experienced one of them.
7: A man is believed to have set himself on fire last week just five blocks from here at the 23rd Street station. And then a day later another fire broke out right here at this station on the same train line. Cell phone footage shows the fire inside a train car halted in a Manhattan subway station.
4: Heard people. Sh- shouting and making some noise about um, smoke and fire and so typical day in New York you're you know you're used to <laughs> whatever's going on so um, but then I did see that there was a fire
7: Brandon Cochran was the passenger filming this footage. he says it looked like someone lit a piece of luggage on fire which then melted into the seats.
4: Unfortunately there's nothing you could do because there's no fire extinguishers there's no blankets there's nothing that you can do so. The fire department came down there and they put out the fire.
7: The Metropolitan Transit Authority, or MTA, operates the city subway system. In a statement to NTD, the agency said, we need to deal with the reality that people with mental health issues are too frequently creating situations that are dangerous and terrifying for our riders and also for themselves. Neither the MTA nor the NYPD confirmed whether the two subway fires are connected or if the individuals suffer from mental illness. Both of these incidents took place late last week, but this week a third fire had ignited on the same train line, but further north this time on 181st Street. Ariane Pastar, NTD News, New York.
0: Law enforcement agencies are reacting to Susan Sarandon sharing an anti-police post on social media. The National Fraternal Order of Police and the New York Police Department both tweeted out posts criticizing the actress Sarandon shared a tweet Tuesday criticizing the NYPD after thousands of officers lined a Manhattan Street in honor of fallen officer Jason Rivera. Her tweet compared a picture of the uniformed officers to fascism. The New York Police Department wrote on the Police Benevolent Association of the City of New York Twitter account, This is what privilege looks like. A wealthy actress, safe in her bubble, mocking heroes and making light of the crisis that cops are battling alongside our communities. NYC is uniting to stop the violence at Susan Sarandon is living on a different planet. Four black voters are fighting a New York City law allowing non-citizens to vote. They're asking the New York Supreme Court to declare it void. The law gives 800,000 foreign residents voting rights, meaning permanent residents and persons authorized to work in the U.S. can cast ballots in New York City elections. The City Council passed the law in December 2021, but the plaintiffs claim it was adopted with a discriminatory purpose to alter the racial composition of the city's electorate and aiming to diminish what they call the voting strength of black voters and other racial groups. The plaintiffs cite statements made by council members at a hearing. Here, their advocates spoke explicitly about race and how passing the measure would increase the voting power of Hispanics and Asians. The plaintiffs also allege the city council violated a rule by passing the amendment without letting city residents vote on it. No spokesperson for the New York City Board of Elections was available to comment before airtime. Chesley Christ, mother is speaking out on her daughter's suicide. The 30-year-old jumped to her death from a New York building on Sunday. The former Miss USA seemed to have it all. She was an entertainment correspondent for Extra and had a law degree. Her mother shared a statement with Extra, indicating Chris also led a private life where she suffered from depression. April Simpkins says her daughter hid the condition from everyone, including her, until shortly before her death. The South Dakota governor signed a bill into law this week banning transgender girls and college-age women from playing in school sports leagues that don't match their biological sex. It makes South Dakota the 10th state to adopt the rule. The bill is set to take effect July 1st. Kristi Noem is the first governor to approve such a ban this year. The Republican governor says it ensures fairness and a level playing field for South Dakota's female athletes in school sports. Nome shied away from signing a similar ban last year. She argued that it contained language that put the state at risk of litigation and retribution from the NCAA. Opponents have denounced the bill as bullying. They say it sends a message that transgender people aren't welcome in the state. Authorities in Washington are searching for the suspect of a bizarre Ocean's Eleven-style attempted bank robbery. Last month, a 3x3 hole was found cut in the roof at a bank in Newcastle. Police were called in to investigate. They suspected someone tried and failed to get inside the bank and left. But hours later, a person dropped through the ceiling. Police believed they were hiding there for over 13 hours. The suspect, armed with a gun, tied three employees up and demanded money from the vault. But when they couldn't access the cache, the suspect just walked out the front door. Tesla is recalling more than 800,000 vehicles due to a faulty seatbelt reminder. Impacted vehicles include 2021 and 2022 models X, S, 3, and Y. The problem is the seatbelt chime fails to sound in some Teslas when a driver exits the vehicle while it is ringing and then re-enters. Since that chime is controlled by software, Tesla plans to fix the issue by sending an over-the-air update. That means owners will not have to bring their vehicle to a service center for the fix. It marks the second time this week Tesla has issued a recall. The first was related to a problem with the company's self-driving software. That issue allowed vehicles in its pilot program to roll through stop signs without coming to a complete stop. General Motors workers in central Mexico are getting a union shakeup. That's after an upstart union supported by international activists proved victorious in an election to represent them. It opens the door for bigger pay raises inspired by U.S.-backed labor reform. The election aims to help improve pay by breaking the grip of other unions one's critics say signed deals behind workers' backs. The new union is known as S-I-N-T-T-I-A. It won early of the votes cast by several thousand workers at GM's plant in the Mexican city of Salau, beating out three rival unions in the process. Workers say they chose the new union to push out the past one, which employees say did little to help its members. U.S. lawmakers hailed the vote as a win for Mexican and U.S. workers under the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement trade deal. GM employs 6,300 people in Salau, The company said it would work with the new union to begin a contract negotiation. Hundreds of migrants in a southern Mexican city are protesting the slow pace of government visa approvals. They're now threatening to form a fresh caravan that would head to the U.S. border. The migrants are largely from Haiti and parts of Latin America. They've been stuck in Tapachula, Mexico, amid lengthy wait times for asylum and visa requests. The migrants protested outside the offices of Mexico's National Migration Institute near the Guatemalan border. They demand documents that would regularize their stay in Mexico or let them cross the border without being detained. Mexico has tried to stem large waves of migrants traveling in U.S.-bound caravans. The country's National Migration Institute released a statement saying marches and demonstrations were not necessary for them to complete migrants' paperwork. Just ahead, record numbers of workers quit their jobs amid the pandemic. One former corporate employees podcast encourages others to forge their own path. Stay tuned for more. economy created far more jobs than expected in January. This happened even as COVID-19 infections disrupted activity at retail businesses, pointing to underlying strength in the labor market. The Labor Department tallied an increase of 467,000 jobs in January. The department also revised December's number from under 200,000 to over half a million new jobs. January's unemployment rate rose slightly to 4%, Economists had been bracing for a disappointment, however. The, new mu- the numbers show resilience despite expectations of slowing economic growth. The U.S. Census Bureau data published in mid-January showed that 8.8 million people reported not being at work because of COVID-related reasons in the first weeks of the new year. But Friday's figures could fuel new optimism. COVID infections are lowering, and first-time applications for unemployment benefits dropped for a second straight week last week. The pandemic marked the beginning of the great resignation where record numbers of workers around the world quit their jobs. For one young professional, it was the best decision she ever made.
5: Welcome to this episode of Corporate
8: When Gabby Yaniello, 28, decided to quit her six-figure corporate job in Manhattan in February 2021. She didn't have much of a plan. But what she had was a deep conviction that she couldn't go back to the office.
5: Best decision ever. I there are times where things are stressful and challenging, but I've dealt with more stressful things in my corporate job when I was there, so there's nothing I can't handle. And I have a great team of people who support me and business colleagues from all over the world that I can tap if I need. So it's been surreal. is a nice way of saying it.
8: Nearly four million Americans on average quit their jobs each month last year, an unprecedented wave of workplace turnover, as the economy emerged from a pandemic-induced recession. Job openings are at historically high levels, and there aren't enough workers to fill all the positions. With hiring still outpacing the level of quits, some economists say the trend dubbed the Great Resignation is really more of a great reshuffling, as people take advantage of the tight labor market to move into jobs with better pay and more flexibility, or to try something new.
5: But it just dawned on me, we live on this world, this earth, for about anywhere from 60 to 100 years, depending on how we take care of ourselves, and so I'd rather spend, you know, two or three years kind of struggling, right, maybe being a little broke while I find that business, while I find that new venture, um, because then I'm giving myself the opportunity to kind of do what it is that lights me up for the rest of my life.
8: For Yanni Yellow, the pandemic provided an opportunity to work from home and a wake-up call. She realized she wanted to spend more time with her family. She also didn't want to follow the career path of her higher-ups, who didn't inspire her so she decided to create her own podcast and help other people quit their jobs.
5: Definitely not easy, but the finances thing, I'm still figuring that out, I'm not gonna lie. We are progressing very rapidly and we're growing every single day and we're trying to figure out our numbers and our projections for 2022 are gonna be great. But again, it's still a business, right? I have to hire a team and do all these things. So that's presents its own set of challenges, but it's been great.
8: In her corporate quitter podcast, Yanniello Yellow features guests who overcame obstacles and succeeded on their own to inspire her listeners around the world. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: The Beijing Winter Olympics opening ceremony begins. Activists have been calling for a boycott to draw attention to the Communist Party's human rights abuses. Team USA's chief spoke amid a report in the Washington Post on Thursday that said some athletes may boycott the opening ceremony.
8: Team chief Rick Adams said ahead of the Beijing Olympics that around 80% of the athletes on the United States team would take part in the opening ceremony.
5: Well, at this juncture, the only information I have is that we have 177 athletes uh, that are walking. They're they're assembling in the various villages now, so that's, that's that's the information that I have.
8: Attendance at the Olympics opening ceremony is not mandatory for athletes. They often skip it for a variety of reasons. Individual events kicked off this week in Beijing after dire warnings from U.S. officials, including House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She urged U.S. athletes not to risk angering the Chinese regime.
1: I wish the athletes well. I do not encourage them to speak out against the Chinese government there because I fear for their safety if they do. What I would say is, um, and and I I saw briefly the comments that she made, and the the, the piece of the comments that she made that we're grateful for is she wished Team USA good luck and said that they've got the support of the country and that's what we're looking for.
8: USOPC CEO Sarah Hirschland told the news conference that US athletes were not given instructions on what they were allowed to say before, during, and after competition.
1: Our job is to provide information um, and, and that's exactly what we've done is just provided information um, so that athletes are in a position to make a choice and to understand um, what is, what is the, the, the environment that they are going to be in and who our host is.
8: Meanwhile, USOPC Chair Suzanne Lyons said that Salt Lake City was preparing a bid to host the Winter Olympics and could be ready as soon as 2030. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: American men's figure skater Nathan Chen has put the U.S. in the lead in the team event. This is after his performance in the men's single short skate portion of the program. Chen notched a personal best score of 111.71 to give Team USA 10 points. Shoma Uno, who also had a personal best score, put Japan in second place. The ROC is in third following Mark Kondratic's performance. Chen 22, is a three-time world champion. He told CNN that he will not be walking in the opening ceremony. Chen, competing in his second Olympics and a favorite to medal, told Wire that in part it's because he walked in the ceremony at the last Winter Olympics, but also because he would be in close proximity to a lot of people. The ice dance-rhythm dance portion of the team competitions is in progress. Following that will be pairs. The team event is scheduled to conclude Monday. Japanese Olympic double gold medalist in men's figure skating Yuzuru Hanyu is still absent from the host city as the Winter Games open. The Chef de Misson of the Japanese delegation to the Beijing 2022 Winter Games confirmed that Hanyu has not attended practice at the venue in Beijing. The 27-year-old Hanyu is scheduled to defend his men's single title starting on February 8th. He is up against rival Nathan Chen of the United States, among others. Yu has been a no-show at practice sessions at the Capitol Indoor Stadium all week. His absence on the rink on Thursday suggests he will likely not compete in the men's team short program on Friday. Team Japan on Thursday said one person from the team tested positive for COVID-19, but has already returned to the Athletes Village after two negative test results. Still to come, Russia says the U.S. is ramping up tensions in Eastern Europe, but NATO says Russia is deploying more troops now than at any time since the Cold War. Find out more here on NTD News. The U.S. is accusing Russia of going to extreme lengths to make up a reason to invade Ukraine. Both the Pentagon and the State Department revealed the White House has intelligence that suggests Russia planned to create a propaganda video depicting a fake attack against its own country, and the Kremlin would blame that attack on Ukraine. As part of this um, fake attack,
9: Uh, We believe that Russia would produce a very graphic propaganda video, uh, which would include corpses um, and actors that would be depicting mourners uh, and images of destroyed locations uh, as well as military equipment uh, at the hands of Ukraine or the West. We don't know if Russia will necessarily use this
2: or another option in the coming days. We are publicizing it now, however, in order to lay bare the extent of Russia's destabilizing actions towards Ukraine and to dissuade Russia from continuing this dangerous campaign and ultimately launching a military attack.
0: Thursday's disclosure is the latest attempt by the U.S. to cut down any excuse Russia may use to invade Ukraine. Russia is still building up its forces along Ukrainian borders despite diplomatic efforts to de-escalate the situation. Russia is accusing the United States of ramping up tensions and ignoring Moscow's calls to ease a standoff over Ukraine. This is one day after Washington announced it would send nearly 3,000 extra troops to Poland and Romania.
9: Russia is mobilizing thousands more combat troops near the border of Ukraine, sending its soldiers into neighboring Belarus for what it calls military exercises. That's according to NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg, who on Thursday described the growing threat.
7: This is the biggest Russian deployment there since the Cold War. With an expected 30,000 combat troops, Spetsnaz Special operation Forces, fighter jets and S-400 air defense systems. So we speak about a wide range of modern military capabilities.
9: RUSSIA'S DEFENSE MINISTER ON THURSDAY LANDED IN BELARUS AND MET WITH THE PRESIDENT AHEAD OF THE JOINT DRILLS, AND RUSSIA'S DEFENSE MINISTRY RELEASED FOOTAGE OF NUCLEAR-CAPABLE BOMBERS REFUELING OVER THE ATLANTIC. These deployments add to the already massive Russian military forces menacing Ukraine, where rising tensions and fears of an invasion prompted the U.S. this week to announce it's sending American troops to Poland and Romania to reinforce NATO allies, moves Stoltenberg praised.
7: This is a powerful signal of U.S. commitment and comes on top of other recent U.S. contributions to our shared security.
9: Moscow denies it is planning to attack Ukraine, and Russian President Vladimir Putin this week claimed the U.S. was trying to bait his country into conflict. On Thursday, the Kremlin accused Washington of inflaming tensions by sending troops to Eastern Europe. The Pentagon said it is still hopeful Russia and the U.S. can find a diplomatic way to resolve tensions, even though, so far, negotiations have yielded little.
8: I think one of the reasons that we are still in negotiation is because Mr. Putin is seeing exactly what he didn't
9: want to happen happening. Retired U.S. Air Force General Philip Breedlove is the former NATO Supreme Allied Commander in Europe. He told Reuters the American troop movements have signaled to Putin that saber-rattling might be counterproductive.
8: Because remember, this is what Mr. Putin is trying to stop, is a movement into the front area. And I think what he's beginning to see is that his actions are causing the very thing he wants to stop.
9: On a visit to Kiev on Thursday, Turkey's leader Tayyip Erdogan announced he was willing to host further peace talks in Istanbul, an offer Ukraine's defense minister welcomed, but said Russia had to agree.
0: Thirty years ago, European leaders created the EU. They gathered together in a Dutch city to sign a treaty to politically unite the countries. The Maastricht Treaty marked Europe's transition from an economic union, the European Economic Community, to a political union. It introduced a common currency and the idea of a European citizenship. The treaty was signed after months of negotiation, striking a balance between countries that wanted a full union and those who wanted a looser relationship. When European leaders agreed in 1992 to the agreement, the Bloc had only 12 members. Since then, the EU grew to 28 members. In 2016, the United Kingdom voted to leave the Bloc following years of negotiations It finally withdrew on January 31st, 2020. Coming up, a blue beer delights the French with its unique look and fresh taste. The new drink is made from a special algae that contains natural pigments. All that and more after this short break. The Dutch city of Rotterdam has agreed to demolish a portion of a historic bridge. The reason? To make way for a super yacht said to have been built for Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Some residents say it's just money that influences officials' decision, while others see it as a boost to the local economy. Well, to be honest, I think it's one of the few more examples we got the last time. That the more monies you have, the more power you get. Even though it goes against principles of the city, the city said we're not gonna do it in the first place. And now Bezos offers uh,
2: some nice monies and they're gonna do it. Ja, wat moet je ervan zeggen? Ja, ik denk dat wat groter geld weer wind, zo is altijd. Maar ja, ook een stukje werkgelegenheid wat daar natuurlijk al uit voortkomt, dat is ook wel belangrijk denk ik, ofwel voor deze regio denk ik.
0: The century-old bridge was the first landmark restored in Rotterdam after the war. A city spokesman said the middle section of the bridge will be dismantled this summer to make way for a yacht, but he declined to comment on who owns the yacht. A local broadcaster reported that the yacht is owned by Jeff Bezos. At around 140 yards in length, the boat will be the world's largest sailing yacht when it launches later in 2022. That's according to data published by Yachting International. Both the yacht builder and Bezos didn't respond to requests for comment. The city of Rotterdam stated that it had carefully weighed its duty care to the bridge and the economic benefits created by the project before making its decision. A French brewery is dyeing its beer blue using seaweed with natural pigments. This colorful drink also wows beer lovers with a fresh taste. Let's take a look.
6: A French brewer has succeeded in making a unique blue beer known as Line. The beer's blue hue comes from spirulina, an algae grown in basins on a farm in France. It's true that we can directly see that the water is green. You have to look through a microscope and go further to really see its spiral form. This spirulina, which we use as a health and dietary supplement, is also what we use to extract the blue pigment for in the blue beer. The blue pigment is added during the brewing process. The brewery, known as Hoppy Urban Brew, sold 1,500 bottles of the blue beer between October and December last year. The company is now ramping up production to meet the ever-rising demand. It is interesting to hear the reactions from customers who want more and even from those who are curious to see all that we could do with beer. There's very few limits on what recipes we can do. One of the company's employees tastes a newly produced bottle of beer.
10: We can taste that it has a light alcohol content with quite the taste of hops. With slight notes of citrus fruits, and in the back of the mouth, there's a slight taste of lychee. It's quite refreshing.
6: One challenge for producers was achieving a blue hue, as the beer's natural yellow hue often leads to a greenish tint. But brewery staff say the popularity of the product has been encouraging.
0: A photographer in Hawaii says he feels lucky to have captured a beautiful moment in nature Jacob Vandervelde said he was on the shore near Waimea Bay in Oahu and he was waterspouting and he saw water spouting up from a whale's blowhole about 200 yards away. It was a little far to fly his drone, but he decided to take the chance to see if he could get it on video. Take a look, a whale and a dolphin spinning and playing together in the ocean. Such a moment of calm. Vandervelde said it was like finding a needle in a haystack. He says he has never seen anything like it, but he sees it as a sign of hope. On today's Hella segment, we get some tips on how to avoid the winter blues. After all, we have a long, dark winter ahead. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body.
11: Seasonal affective disorder, also known as SAD, is a serious manifestation of winter blues. The cold and dark may have effects that are more subtle. In Denmark, the lifestyle concept of Higge aims to introduce warmth and coziness during this time of year. This can take many forms, including candlelight or a wood or gas fire. They draw on candlelight, cheerful company, and indoor activities. The first step is to invite in the light. The light and warmth of fire can help burn away the winter blues. Another option is to string Christmas lights indoors and use them year-round. The next strategy is increasing body temperature to counteract the cold of winter. Externally applied heat is a medical therapy and can take many forms, including a hot bath, a heating pad, or a sauna. A hot bath also works wonderfully to heat the body and gives you the option of adding therapeutic bath salts or oils. Baking soda and Epsom salts are great additions. Baking soda is energetically cleansing and makes the bath water alkaline. The final strategy is sweating. Detoxification tops the list of benefits from sweating. Research shows that it releases toxicants such as heavy metals and pharmaceutical drugs. Next is exercise. It can generate enough body heat to induce sweating even in colder temperatures. Hot baths also cause sweating, even though it's hard to towel when we're in the water. Beds of sweat on your brow when taking a bath indicate you are getting the added benefit of sweating. The most effective method of inducing a sweat is a sauna. Many types exist, including traditional Finnish saunas, Native American sweat lodges, steam rooms, and modern infrared saunas or will produce significant sweating when used appropriately. LED bulbs work great to make the home cozy, with candles and hearth fires being the old school treatment for the winter blues. Combine the traditional approach with full spectrum light and heat from saunas, and you need not suffer from the cold and dark this winter.
0: When was the last time you were touched spiritually? People from around the world are celebrating the Lunar New Year with Shen Yun Performing Arts and they say the show leaves them with a newness of life.
10: Moving, transforming and healing. This is what the audience says after watching Shen Yun Performing Arts.
2: You know, it's not just the artistic presentation but the spirit behind it. There was a presence that filled the room that really touched people's lives. This week, Shen Yun performed seven shows
10: throughout the States and Europe.
4: I see a a thousand years of culture.
1: And I've been in business. For 52 years, so I have experience of knowing the difference between average, good, and beautiful. And this is magnificent.
8: Bueno, ha sido una maravilla.
10: The show was a marvel—a perfect blend of art, movement, color, and special effects, perfectly synchronized that demonstrated marvelous happiness. Audiences say the performance was spiritually moving.
2: You know, just the beautiful. You know, representation of a, of a spirit of virtue through the performers. You can tell they, they represented something of a higher uh, spirit, which was uh, very healing for me. Shen
10: Yun brings you to your origin. The performance transmits what the creator wants, what contemporary and ancient China are, and how communism destroyed traditional values, spiritual content. They say this performance is life-changing. It's empowering to know that the essence and the divinity is within us, and we are absolutely powerful as the performers demonstrated. In this very chaotic time, I will take this message with me.
2: I think everybody, I know, I think I know everybody left today with just a newness, just kind of a newness of life.
10: I'm truly amazed and highly recommend it. The spectacular.
7: If you want to do
2: something that's enjoyable, come see this show. I think it actually brings the pandemic almost to full circle.
9: They need to go. They need to go see this.
10: Shen Yun will continue to perform in seven more cities throughout the states and Europe next week. NTD News, New
0: York. Thanks for watching. At NTD, we're honored to be your source for the news. Catch us again tonight at 630 Eastern. In New York City, I'm Kevin Hogan.